This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Today is the first Thursday of the month, so the doors to our pet hospital are open. It's an all-pet day here on Creature Comforts, and we welcome all the pet questions from the big to the small. So if you have concerns about your furry friends, and if you have any general wildlife experiences, and share those as well. To join the conversation with a question or comment, you can email animals at mpbonline.org. Always like to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it repeats Saturday mornings at 6. Got a caller on the line, but first uh, invite Libby to uh, share what you've been seeing, Libby, in your yard recently. Good morning. Um, I've got, and I, it's become an annual occurrence, I've got the ladybug beetle invasion or infestation going on at our house. And it seems like a good year for the um, ladybird beetles. If um, you've not experienced it in the past, um, it's pretty common occurrence. These are the introduced ladybugs that um, were brought to um, our country. They're Asian ladybug beetles. And I guess to specify, these are definitely beetles and not bugs. Some people call them ladybird beetles. Some people call them ladybug beetles, but they are not really bugs or beetles. I mean, not really bugs or birds. They are beetles, the little red ones and um they're uh, by and large beneficial, and they've been spending their year eating aphids and scale bugs, which are uh, really bad insects for crops. So we're glad that they're out there. But in the fall, they look for a warm place. They they Their lifespan is one or two years, but um, I think if they can come inside and find a nice, snug, warm place... They intend to sleep there through the winter and then get out, or at least they'll find kind of a warm place to lay their eggs. And I don't mind a few in the house, but this can be overwhelming. I've had a bunch, and I imagine some of our listeners are battling that, too. If they've got a a really good solution, they could call us. But what I've been doing and what I've done in years past is just use a little handheld vacuum cleaner and vacuum them um, when they're inside, vacuum them up, and then you have the choice of releasing them away from your house outside or, um, uh, I guess, doing them in. Whatever you want to do with those ladybugs once you catch them in your vacuum is up to you. I have heard some people say, uh, just or or read what some people are saying, saying that they use and some people say that moms repel them pretty well just the smell of the moms so if you're growing chrysanthemums close to your house that might help but anyway we're dealing with that and then 
uh, we were away from home for several weeks this summer. I think most of our listeners know that. And um, I've never had mockingbirds at my house. We're in a rural area and uh, don't have mockingbirds. We have some of their relatives and brown thrashers and gray catbirds. But uh, when we returned home, we had a mockingbird for the first time, and it has taken up residency in the fig tree. The figs have been gone for, uh, you know, they're past their prime for several weeks, but I was assuming that this uh, mockingbird may have had a good time eating figs while we were gone, and that's why he's uh, protecting this fig tree. And he has now started this process where he flails against the window, and I know, again, a lot of our listeners have had that problem before. I've had cardinals in the past, we've talked about on air, that um, it's it's hard to convince a bird once it sees its reflection in that window that it's not a competing bird. And so this mockingbird is um, attacking the window and um, kind of going nuts. So um, it's right over, the window is just outside or just inside from where the um, fig tree is where he's sitting and it happens to be my desk. And for a while, I thought he was angry that I was there until I realized he can't see me. He's seeing his reflection. So um, that's going on in the yard, Kevin. You've got a lot going on there, that's for sure. So uh, I have not, I think years ago, had uh, the ladybug issue, but fortunately have not had that recently. As you're right, I guess the sheer number of them sometimes uh, can be uh, uh, an issue. Oh, I've got one other, <clears throat> just a comment, and also a plug for um, if anybody did not get a chance to um, give a donation to um, MPB's foundation during drive time. We've talked about woodpeckers a lot lately, and I'm continuing to enjoy hearing and seeing the woodpeckers in our yard. Last night on Nature, on MPB television, there was a wonderful show on woodpeckers, really uh, one of the best productions I've, I've seen uh, about woodpeckers and um, did a lot to explain the behaviors that I've been seeing in the yard. And I wanted to let people know that if they're a member, and now that I, I do my annual donation, so we have passport mm -hmm. and we can watch nature anytime we want. So if anybody's interested in watching the woodpecker show and they've given their donation to MPB on a, I think it has to be the continuing basis to get passport. Liz, I think knows a lot about that, but anyway, you can watch nature anytime you want. So you could watch the, I can watch the woodpecker show again tonight if I want to. So anyway, woodpeckers be on the lookout for them. Yes. Uh, passport is a, a, a benefit from membership of MPB. So if you were interested, you can always go to our website to find out more information about contributing. It's mpbonline.org. We've got uh, a caller that's been holding patiently. So we finally are going to say good morning to Beth, who's calling in from Memphis. Beth, go ahead, please. You're on good the morning. air. Go ahead. Good morning. Thank all of you for your service. Uh, this is more for Dr. Major and, and Libby probably might know too. I've been trying to help a Canadian goose in Audubon Park. I live in Memphis, and uh, it has fishing line um, around one leg. And we've already helped one goose, uh, but he wasn't as bad as this. It's, um, it's in the 
into the skin, and uh, Dr. Major, a little round, I don't know, looks like balls of flesh on one side, and uh, it's very tiny fishing line. And would you know of any uh, anyone, a good Samaritan, <laughs> a, a, maybe a vet student, um, or any place uh, that I could contact wildlife game and fish? Uh, I don't know. That might help this goose. Dr. Major, any thoughts on uh, in the Memphis area or maybe uh, wildlife rehabbers in the Memphis area? I know there used to be a good wildlife rehab center at Lichterman Nature Center that I had um, corresponded with, and we worked with a little one. I was at the museum. So Lichterman Nature Center is a good idea. And then the Tennessee Game and Fish Commission should have a list of rehabbers. There's bound to be a bird rehabber that can come and help you with this. Oh, great. So that would be my two suggestions. I certainly would think that, so. That, it sounds like this line, this line has been around this goose's leg for a little while, and maybe even some granulation tissue has formed this knot that you're talking about, you know, because of the fact that it's cut into the skin. But there right. should be uh, rehabbers there. I have a friend or two in Memphis, and I will give them a call and see if they have any uh, any contact. If you'll leave your contact information with uh Kevin, uh, certainly I can get back in touch with you if I find somebody. That would be great. And uh, please, all you fishermen, gather your fishing line. Uh, There's also a mallard that has lost its foot, uh, a female small mallard. Uh, Also, Dr. Major, uh, my other question was about my little terrier mix that's on apple quail. And yes. uh, he's been he's been on it two months. And would you do you know of any uh, bad effects that uh, that might that apple quail might cause? Or um, okay, first, or, of, first um, of all, is it first of all is it doing what you wanted to do? Is it taking care of the skin issues that the dog may have? It did. It really did help a lot at first, but uh, the uh, his vet told me to. Uh, you know, at first I gave him um, two every day, uh, and it's 3.6 milligram. And um, now we're down to um, uh, one pill a day. But okay. yes, it did really help at first. But now we're we're uh, we're not seeing as much. Um, he's anyway. He's really biting and scratching. Okay. And I think you need to talk to your vet, but my suggestion would be to increase back to two a day for, say, four or five days and see if that helps and then taper it back off. Uh, As far as side effects, there are very little side effects with the Apoquil. My suggestion also, if the Apoquil stops working, which in some cases it does, there's another uh, uh, injectable uh, medication called Cytopoint, which uh, usually lasts for about 30 days and uh, has much the same effect as far as the pruritic or itchy dog. Talk to your vet about that. So you may need to switch occasionally, okay? And is that that considered a steroid, Dr. Major? No, neither one are considered to be steroids. They attack the itch reflect from a much different standpoint, and they don't have the side effects of a steroid. 
Oh, that's great. I always uh, value your opinion. Uh, thank well, you thank all you. so much. All right, uh, Beth, before you hang up, if you would, we'll put you back on hold. If you would talk to Charles, our call screener, get uh, some uh, some contact information, and we'll forward that to Dr. Major, see if we can help you out about finding that rehabber in the Memphis area. Great. Thank you. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. Today we're looking for your pet questions and talking about any of your encounters with nature. So to join the conversation with your question or comment, you can always send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We have another caller on the line with a pet question, again from Memphis. This time we speak with Wilma. Good morning, Wilma. It's your turn, so go ahead. Good morning. It's a small world today. I happen to work at Lichterman part-time. And if Beth will call, Joyce will be glad to give her a couple of names and phone numbers of bird rehabbers. Very good. Thanks, Wilma. Okay. Okay, my question. I am dog-sitting my grand dog, who is a female, some kind of beagle, about seven years old. My son left me instructions about feeding her and stuff. I am not a dog person. I am putting her outside every two hours for her to do her business. And she sits at the door and looks at me. About every six hours, she goes out and urinates. But I am afraid to go off and leave her for more than two hours. Can you give me some idea of how often she needs to go out? Dr. Major, any thoughts? Uh, is, she, is, she, is she house-trained well? Does she ever mess up in the house? I've had her for two weeks, and she has not. But I don't okay. leave her for more than two hours. Okay. I would suggest that uh, certainly she should probably go out three or four times a day, but maybe walk out with her if you're able to, or take her out on a leash and walk her around the yard. A lot of times that will stimulate uh, the dogs to go to the bathroom, but I think you can overdo it. She's going to go when she gets ready. If she's house trained and you put her out and leave her outside for a while, she will go. So Which, she's trying you fenced in backyard so yes that's the whole backyard yourself right walk out there with her a little bit maybe she'll okay like it's an adventure that might help some because i understand a lot of times the dogs especially if they can see you they'll come back to the door uh if they can look through it and watch say hey let me back in they can plead pretty well and maybe okay. give her a reward when she goes out and does her business, okay? Oh, okay, okay. I, they gave me treats, so okay, go. Okay. Well, thank you very That'll much. I appreciate it. I hope that helps. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you, Wilma, for your call. Let's uh, move on next. Uh, I think we talked a little bit about uh, woodpeckers earlier, Libby. And so Linda from Fairhope, Alabama, I think, has a question or issue with uh, woodpeckers. Uh, Linda, what do you have for us today? Good morning. I just came back from visiting my son in Colorado in the mountains, and he has recently built a log cabin out of old logs and now has a woodpecker trying to peck holes, not not only in the logs, but in the chinking they put between them. Is there anything uh, that would scare a woodpecker off that he could use, or do you have any other ideas? Yeah, there. okay, there's just kind of a standard suite of things, and... Uh, one can be playing loud music when he's there. They're pretty sensitive to sound, and that can bother him. Of course, throwing a tarp over the, the, the side of the house where he's drumming might help. 
um, I, I think there are some, you may need to look online, I've, I've heard that there are some things that you can spray on the wood that will, that don't smell good or taste good and will keep them from drumming so much. Uh, it's a territorial kind of behavior probably, unless now, I guess another thing to look for, they will be very hard to dissuade if there are any food items in the wood there and your son probably needs to know that anyway if so you might you know get kind of a close enough inspection to be sure that there are not any kind of bug larva uh, in the log right there because they have incredible hearing and they can hear if there's anything chewing in that log and then they're gonna you know really attack the log for that okay but um I don't know if I've been much help or not. I, I, we had a flicker once. It was very hard to dissuade from our log cabin. And um, so I guess good luck with that. Has he tried? What has he tried yet? He, he, all he's done is fill the holes in. I mean, he, okay. you know, he doesn't yeah, know what and, to do. Yeah, the, I think it's probably particularly bad that he's on the chinking, isn't it? Um, yeah. And it does yeah, if it persists, I would say call um, the uh, wildlife agency, the local wildlife people, wherever he is, his county agent or whatever, um, uh, county concert. In, in our, now, what state did you say he's in? He's in Colorado. In Colorado, yeah. Colorado Game and Fish, I'm sure, has dealt with this. And um, it's, it is against the law to kill that bird. Um, but, you know, anything you can do to dissuade it, of course, is good. So you can try okay. anything, you know, any of those things we mentioned, the sound or the, the tarps or anything. And if it okay. persists, I would go ahead and call the wildlife folks and see what they can do to help you. Libby? Okay, great. Troy? Yeah, hey, Troy. One thing, one thing I was thinking about, and I'm not sure how the uh, woodpecker would respond respond to this, but in some cases, the uh, imitation owl, great horned owl, on a stand close by where close by where this bird is working might help. I think they have some that actually can move a little bit, like their head can move, battery-operated, so that might be a, a thing. The other thing, gosh, it kind of puts you up like, what to do. There probably are some things that could be sprayed that would not harm the bird but would deter him. Uh, and there we have uh, different groups here, critter catchers and everything else that you need to refer maybe out there. I'm sure they're comparable, uh, and they could uh, give you some advice as well. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank both of you. Thanks, Linda, for your call. Uh, Liz Gill, who's filling in for our producer, Java uh, Chapman, today, has uh, discovered that the Nature Program Woodpeckers, The Whole Story, uh, is airing again on MPB TV Friday afternoon at 2. So if you're interested, uh, you can uh, check it out, maybe record it in advance, and you can watch it later. Or, as we mentioned earlier, become a member, and you can view it as many times as you want as a benefit uh, with Passport. We've got another Memphis caller. Love to hear folks calling in from Memphis today. This time we're going to talk with Mike. Mike, it's your turn. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, it's for Dr. Mike. My daughter called me this morning and asked could she uh, feed pork bones uh, to her dog. And I said, well, 
I think they center is not a good idea. And I just wanted to know about feeding bones to dogs. Wow, what a great question. And, you know, there are dogs that have had probably bones ever since they were a puppy, but my recommendation is no. Uh, you can never tell, and we do see dogs that ingest a bone. Maybe, especially if there's another dog around, they may swallow a bone that's too big and cannot pass. But I would, I would recommend not knowing the size of this dog or what kind of dog it is. I would say the answer would be no. Okay, okay. it's a golden retreat. And and are beef bones from the butcher okay? A lot of people will feed those. Uh, if you feed real bones, large bones, be careful about splinters because uh, dogs are quite adept at grinding them down. And sometimes on the harder bones, they will actually break a tooth um, trying to gnaw those down. I, I, basically, I, I am opposed to feeding bones. Uh, simply because I've seen too many uh, issues that have happened uh, from that. Now, there are dogs that said that chew bones and get by fine, but then there are others that uh, certainly have had some problems, and you can't predict which one. Okay, that's great. So the answer is don't feed bones to the dog. Right. Right. I would feed synthetic or use synthetic bones, uh, the type that uh, one, either if they chew it down, that it will not hurt them, or that basically kind of indestructible bones, they have those, but they have some of the scent of a bone, and a lot of the dogs will like those. Well, great. That's, that's a great help. I'm going to pass it on to my daughter. Thank you. Thanks, Mike, for your call. Thank you. Appreciate your call this morning. Uh, we're going to stay on the phone lines. This time we are off to Tupelo, and we're going to hear from Gerald. Good morning, Gerald. You're on the air. Go ahead. Okay, good morning. Oh, okay. I just wanted to talk about uh, quickly a wildlife encounter, and basically it's uh, deer. And uh, last night I was on the way home from work, and it was uh, getting uh, dark. I'd say 30 minutes to an hour after dark, you know, sunset, and I saw a deer. And then this morning uh, on the way to work, I realized what it was, that they were headed to a pond, you know, right near where they were trying to cross. And uh, luckily the two didn't pass in front of me, you know, and or cause a wreck for me, you know, or a guy in front of me, but anyway, um, so that's my encounter, but uh, my, what my question is about is, uh, we have a cat that's about two years old, and it's the first time we've had a cat actually inside, and, you know, it licks itself, and, you know, uh, a couple of things, one is the reason why cats lick themselves, I had heard that they do that to get rid of their own scent as a hunter, and number two, uh, also, the hair, you know, they get hair balls and they get sick from that. And, you know, periodically she'll throw up. And so the, the vet that we go to had said something about getting some type of food that was gentle on their stomach. And then, so we did that and that helped. But, you know, occasionally they'll still get, uh, she'll still uh, throw up, you know, a little bit. And I was just wanting to see what your comments would be about that. Okay. What, how, long, how long is the hair on this cat? Is it she a short oh, hair, long tabby. hair? Yeah, okay. it's a fairly short. It's a tabby, so it's right. not too long. Right. Yeah. You know, there's something wrong with a cat if it doesn't groom, okay? That's just their nature. They're going to groom themselves and just about all over their body. So that certainly is something that's going to happen. You can assist by a uh, gentle brush, uh, comb if it'll let you. You can remove some hair that 
would net, you know, the cat would probably swallow it. The cat has a little papilla on its tongue, and it traps the hair, and then <clears throat> they swallow that, and it goes down to the esophagus into their stomach. Um, I would occasionally, if you're seeing uh, your cat throw up hairballs, I would ask your vet for some laxatone or that equivalent, which you can give occasionally, which helps to lubricate the hair and helps it to pass on through. All right. But, so, you know, okay, it, 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 is, it is a common thing. Kevin knows about it. Uh, I'm sure he's got up in the morning and stepped on a hairball and <laughs> went semi-dark. But uh, those are just things that a cat does. But usually it's not too often. But the laxative, it's it's a mild laxative, laxatone, and it can help lubricate the hair and help to move it on out of the body. Okay, laxatone. Now, is that over the counter, or do I have to get a prescription? It, from the, it can be over the counter. Be over the counter. Your vet probably carries it, uh, but you don't have to have a prescription for it. Okay. All right. All right laxatone. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Gerald, for calling in this morning. This is uh, Creature Comforts. It's an all-pet day. We're keeping Dr. Major busy with your pet questions. We will head back to the phone lines now. Uh, another question for Dr. Major. Looks like a puppy question coming in from Charlie, who's called in from Memphis. It's Memphis Day on Creature Comforts this morning. We really appreciate that. Charlie, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hey, I want to ask the veterinarian. Uh, I just acquired a three-month-old, three-and-a-half-month-old puppy part chihuahua part beagle and i just want to know what he would recommend for the best worm medicine right the question i have is has the puppy started its shots vaccinations i'm sorry we lost we lost him so he wanted to know what the best worm medicine was and i'm trying to determine if he had actually uh, started vaccinations and certainly uh, part of the exam of a puppy they would check for intestinal parasites, and sometimes it's based on what type of parasite the puppy has. There are several dewormers. Uh, Parental is a good wormer. It's safe. Another is Valbazin, uh, which is probably a little bit more effective, but it's used more in the old, a little older puppies than older dogs. Uh, tapeworms are a little specialty, and they have to have a special worm medication, uh, usually uh Prosecointel is what's used, or Dronset is the name, one of the names. Uh, and then there are other parasites as well. But if you had to have uh, the basics, either Parental or Valbison would be the best deworming. But we recommend on puppies, of course, starting vaccinations at about six weeks of age. And then every three weeks until they're approximately four months old, and you usually get your rabies shot at that time. Most of the puppies are vaccinated for the stemper parvo, parainfluenza, all in one shot there, maybe with coronavirus. hate to mention coronavirus, but every, every animal has coronaviruses. And uh, also kennel cough uh, vaccine, which is Bordetella bronchoseptica, and giving those in a series, usually three to four shots, three weeks apart. I hope that helps uh, some from what the puppy needs and needs to be checked for intestinal parasites to be sure that uh, warming is effective or if he actually has them. And uh, Charlie, sorry we had a technical glitch and dropped you off the air, so if uh, you need a follow-up, uh, just call us back and, and we'll continue on there with, the, with your question to Dr. Major. 
Uh, Dr. Major, here is an email that says, are acorns hazardous to dogs? We've got two dogs that stay in a fenced-in area around our back porch. We have several oak trees back there that have been dropping acorns for several weeks. The dogs like to eat them, but I've heard that they could be harmful to dogs. What do you say about that? That's a great question, and we have a lot of dogs that eat acorns. Uh, certainly, uh, the wildlife relishes the acorns. Deer, uh, other uh, wildlife will eat the acorns. However, acorns have a high percentage of tannins uh, and certainly can cause some damage to kidney and liver if they're consumed in enough quality quantity. Also, just GI upset from eating, you know, a dog cannot sit back there and peel them out and just eat the meat of the acorn. They're going to eat the shell as well, and some of those shells can be very irritating to the intestinal tract. My suggestion, if possible, keep your dog from eating acorns. However, I realize that a lot of dogs do, and most of them do okay, but certainly it can cause some problems. And so you might want to kind of keep them raked up as best you can. That way, if the dog gets an occasional one, not too much of an issue, but you don't want to give them an acorn buffet in the backyard there. (laughs) Exactly. And I think they almost become addicted to them. Uh, They must have some taste that they like. But it is a difficult thing. Some of these oak trees, big oak trees, produce probably, I won't say tons, but many, many, many pounds of acorns on on the ground. All right, looks like we've got another pet caller lined up and ready to go, and it's MD calling in from Clinton. It's your turn, so go ahead. You're on the air. Yes, I was wanting to ask Dr. Majors. Uh, I'm familiar with him, uh, uh, being a Clintonian. I have a 15, going on 15-year-old, 10-and-a-half-pound kind of terrier, chihuahua, uh, schnauzer, crossbreed okay. that I'm crazy about. And was wondering, you know, she's going in her 15th year. She appears to be healthy. I take her to the vet religiously for all of her shots and things. But is are there any supplements for, like, you know, I'm an idiot when it comes to chondroitin and all these for joints and all, which she doesn't exhibit any, any uh, situations. I'm just saying, can I help prolong... Uh, this very well-loved dog by me uh, with some supplements, and does he recommend them? Right. A good, you know, a good quality vitamin is, is one of the things that, as the dog gets older, and they do have uh, vitamins for older dogs. Uh, certainly that would be a supplement that could be given. Uh, the glucosamine, chondroitin, uh, fish oil-type uh compounds certainly could help uh, as a supplement. Uh, it sounds like you've done an excellent job. As our dogs get older, you always worry about uh, the dental issues, the teeth, and hopefully she has good teeth and has had good care there. And of course, as you know, a lot of times if you have infection around the tooth, it can cause some issues with kidneys, heart, by seeding the bloodstream with bacteria from the infected teeth. So it sounds like you've had excellent care for this dog, and if she's not overweight, uh, certainly that's a big uh, problem a lot of times, but it sounds like she's not having real issues with mobility, so that's good. No, none, uh, Dr. Major says no. Uh, but I just, I, you know, I, it's one of those, she's like my youngin', and... Uh, I, 
I, I just want her to yeah. live as long as long as she can, and if I can find something to give her, that would help. Now I, I buy the top dollar food for this this dog. I mean, it has. I read the labels and try to you know find things that that is going to help promote her skin, her coat, right. and 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 her activities. You know, um, anyway. But and I'm sure you're sure you're doing. I'm sure you're doing this, but uh, I would have a uh, periodic geriatric exam, including blood work, just to be sure that her kidneys, liver, pancreas, those things are functional, and also that she's not anemic. Uh, you know, just a general blood panel uh, every year at this age, just to be sure that she's on track to living as long and healthy as she can. Oh yes, all right. we got an annual visit, six months visit. It's always on schedule in my vet, yeah, because I'm crazy about this dog, you know. <laughs> I understand. Well, best of luck. <laughs> it sounds like you're doing good. Um, the supplements, you know, you have to read carefully about supplements. Uh, a good name brand uh, vitamin for geriatric dogs. They have pet tabs. I think they're made by Zoetis. And I'm not advertising to them, but it is a good good vitamin to use. It's a chewable vitamin, and it pretty well covers the basis as far as things that are needed. Okay. And you say Zoetis? Zoetis, Zoetis was a spinoff from Pfizer uh, years ago, and uh, it's a, uh, one of the main producers of uh, health products for, for dogs and cats. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks, Thank you sir. very much for your help. Mm-hmm. Thanks, MD, for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. It is an all-pet day today. We've had a number of pet questions. Still got a couple more on the line. and So let's uh, return to the phone lines by visiting with Mikey in Mobile. Mikey, you're on the air. Your turn. Go ahead. Thank you, sir. Um, uh, this is maybe this is a half felder question, Gestalt Gardener, right? I guess um, uh, regarding monkey grass berries. Those of us who have monkey grass will know what I'm talking about. And it, this is like uh, the person, the individual who called that, that said uh, that their dog eats acorns. Well, my dogs ate acorns. I haven't seen them doing a whole lot of that lately. Um, in fact, I haven't seen them doing as much of the monkey grass berries because I started pulling them off. Accidentally, I deterred them because I started pulling the, the berries off when they ripen this time of year and throwing in them areas where I want more monkey grass because I want less lawn to mow. <laughs> Dr. Se- uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Troy, um, is can you help me with whether or not the berries are toxic at all? Uh, the dogs seem to be fine. Um, they're in their teen years now. Um, what? <laughs> so, Dr. Major, the berries on uh, monkey grass, any uh, information on that? You know, that's a great, a great question, and I'm not absolutely sure. What kind of monkey grass is this? Is this... Uh, do we know, Mikey? What kind of monkey grass? Do you know what kind it is? Yeah, it's 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 a the, the smaller one. It's not the wide leaf. I, although I do have both, and they don't they don't um, go after the wide leaf berries. Okay. Uh, the I think this one's called mondo grass. Okay. 
you know, as far as the berries are concerned, I would be a little bit concerned about them. There's a, a great app if you uh, are interested in learning more about uh, plants. And I would say, just a second, I'll get that for you. Um, it's called Picture This. Picture This. Mm-hmm. And you can take a picture of any plant, and it will tell you what it is, and then you can look it up, and it will tell you whether the toxicity uh, is there. Uh, and I've used it quite often. Uh, in fact, used it yesterday for someone who had, you know, the uh, some of the tropical plants are very toxic to cats especially. So as far as the berries, why would the dogs eat them? I don't know. But I would be a little bit suspect. I haven't had a chance to look up uh, the monkey grass uh, toxicity, but I don't think it's very toxic. All right, uh, Mikey, thanks for your call. Again, that uh, app for your smartphone to try to help you identify plants and uh, get more information on them is called Picture This. It's a great app, and you can just about take a picture of any plant anywhere, and it will tell you what it is and a lot of the characteristics about it. I have enjoyed it. All right. Uh, Let's uh, move on next to, uh, looks like it's Bill's turn. Bill has called in from Ridgeland. Good morning, Bill. You're on the air. Good morning. Um, I was listening to the Money Podcast the other morning, and somehow they got on a discussion about ingredients in cat food and whether it's harmful or not. And a lady called in and said that um, read the labels on cat food um, because if it's got chicken byproducts and grains and so forth, then it's not healthy for your cat. And I started reading labels after that, and most of the cat food products start with chicken byproducts and grains and so forth. And I just wanted to get Dr. Major's opinion on what uh, the harmful effects of those ingredients in cat foods are. You know, quality is something that's very very hard to, to know about an individual cat food. I'd go with a name brand in most cases for cat food. Uh, I'm's, for example. Uh, there are a lot of others other than that. And I'm not a I'm's. I don't have any stock in I'm's company. But I'm just saying they have to, cats have to have some uh, some animal products in it. And they have to have, uh, they're carnivores, basically. They eat very little grain. Naturally, they will go out and graze grass. But I would say that the majority of our cat foods are safe. Uh, We see cats now that live so much longer. We're talking about 15 to 22 years of the aged cats, and they seem to do quite well. Now, most cats will develop some sort of renal insufficiency as they approach 14, 15, but they can be managed by good quality cat food. Um, I don't know how to answer your question exactly, but it should not be too high in grains in the uh, cat food. And you mentioned byproducts, uh, chicken byproducts, uh, read the label, and make your own choice based on what it says. I well, well, some, you say, some, but, cat, food, we, some cat foods uh, that I've read the labels say grain free, and I was wondering if if that should be the preferable choice. Oh my gosh, you know they have that's been an overused term both in uh, dog food and and in cat food. Uh, cat food certainly can be 
can be grain-free and be okay. I think this is an advertising ploy in a lot of cases, and especially in dog food. There are not that many dogs that actually have real severe problems with grain. On the other hand, it's been advertised. If you watch TV, you'll see they always have that uh, disclaimer in most of them. But, you know, when you get away, and I'm not advertising dog food or cat food, when you get away from Purina, Hillsize Diet, uh, Prescription Diet, Himes, Royal Canaan, those are all considered maybe to be top dollar foods, but they are, they have the research behind them, and that's what counts as far as what the quality food is. All right, uh, Bill, okay. thanks for your call. Okay. This is uh, Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Uh, oddly enough, uh, you mentioned uh, grains. My cat has decided he likes lettuce, which seemed kind of odd to me, but he he likes to chew on it. So, <laughs> He's you know, and, and that's that's good for them to have some grains. We, you know, they have window box grain like uh, rye or uh, oats. You know, that you can raise for the cat to have a little something to graze on. And they, they if you notice, a cat goes out in the yard. Um, they're particular about what they what they graze on. They'll they'll take little bites of green. Of course, they love to have a bed of catnip to lay in and <laughs> maybe maybe eat on that as well. We've got uh, Susan on the line as our last call in Meridian. Susan got about a minute and a half left, so you could be brief, please. Okay, I just wanted to recommend to anybody listening to read the last will and testament of an extremely distinguished dog by Eugene O'Neill. It's absolutely beautifully written. It's written like the dog wrote it. And the introduction said, as a comfort to his wife, the great American writer speaks on behalf of their aging dog. All right, so repeat the title for us again. The Last Will and Testament of an Extremely Distinguished Dog. All right. Thanks. uh... It's beautiful. Thanks, Susan. I'm sure the dog lovers will appreciate uh, that uh, suggestion. So thanks for calling in today. Dr. Major, we've got about a minute left, and I thought there was an interesting uh, email asking about anti-tracking litter. It says, our cat uses a litter box, tracks litter halfway down the hall. I have to sweep every time I clean the litter box. We use a clumping litter. Is there anything such as anti-tracking litter? Uh, Any suggestions there? That's That's a great question, and it does happen. And cats will track the litter. Uh, the finer the litter, the more they're apt to track it. By that, if it's like almost like a powder, they will it'll pick up on their the paws, even though it's a clumping. I would maybe suggest uh, researching a little bit and get something that's a little bit coarser. If they like the clumping litter, certainly they can. But there are some coarser ones by that larger grain particle, larger particles that will not clump and walk out. And also, I think you can get some devices to put on the edge of your, like a little ramp that uh, they walk off of when they finish, and it might help keep some of that uh, dust out of uh, out of your hallway and, and right there by the litter box. And so, some of the mechan- mechanical litter boxes may help as well. All righty. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and funding is provided in part by listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can find it at creaturecomforts.mpbonline.org. Our show was engineered today by Liz Gill, and our call screener was Charles Arnold. So for Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield, I'm Kevin Farrell. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Conference, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.